Hi, this is Giuseppe. Hi, this is Anthony. And you're listening to For the Love of Sophia. A philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to email us at publicphilproject at gmail.com. Enjoy the ride. Welcome back. Episode 76. 76. So now we're closer to 100 than we were to, fi- we are to 50 now. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And I think moving towards episode 100, we should uh, maybe do another Q&A. I don't know. Maybe we should do a live one. Live. I know that gives you anxiety, but... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I was... On a stage doing live stuff for years, I could do that. Yeah, we can do. But we can do something live with audience. Nevertheless, um, in between, so what you guys didn't hear at least yet mm-hmm. was that in between the two episodes, we had a conversation to try and come to a common understanding yep. with regard to that issue that we ended the previous episode with. And at the end of the day, it seems like. Mm-hmm. We are in agreement um, that there was some issues with word ambiguity. Yeah. Um, maybe us engaging in equivocation. <laughs> that was the word I was looking <laughs> okay. for. That I, that I couldn't think of during the break. I was like, what's that? Um, but once we clear things out, um, so mm-hmm. maybe here's a snippet of that. So I think that real perception, where real is defined as how it is to experience it, how it presents itself, like phenomenological perception, I think lived perception, right? I think, yes, yes, I agree with you. Like you don't access the the pure hyletic flow in like an objective sense, right? Maybe I misunderstood. You don't literally think that the the hyletic flow input changes, right? No. Okay, so we basically agree. No. But seriously, though, do you really believe that the the the, the centipede thing doesn't is not going to taste? You, you're going to be able to taste differently. I mean, the same as somebody else. Uh, I think it's exceedingly difficult, and you could never totally do it. But I do think there's like some training you could do. For example, people learn to like things, acquired taste. We have that phrase, right? And I think the inverse is true because like my similar story to yours is, is <laughs> so when I was little, I for some reason was a picky eater as kids are. And I loved chicken cutlets, chicken parm. And Nan, my grandmother, when I lived with her, she would always make dinner. And she was making what I believed to be chicken parm. Uh, it wasn't veal. It was it was more benign than that. <laughs> so I was eating it, and I'm like, hey, this tastes like everything, which is oil and sauce and cheese and a little bit of texture. So it was good. And in the middle of eating, I look at the like the cutlet thing, 
and I notice that uh, there's little ballies in it. I was like, huh, what are these, what are these little ballies? And Nan, not knowing that I'm a crazy little kid, goes, oh, well, that's the eggplant. And I go, oh, what? And I get up from the table and just like push my plate away and I don't eat it because I convinced myself I don't like eggplant. That's weird. That's gross, right? So there is an example of the veil being taken, being put on, I guess, so to speak. And totally, like, so literally, it didn't change the the input, right? The, the, the hyletic input that was there. It changed my perception. Okay, and then now in this half, I think it'd be interesting to start getting into what um, I mentioned was our catalyst for doing this episode in the first place. And yeah. It had to do with these changes in sensations that maybe you feel regularly or I feel um, because of COVID, etc. Um, so that might be interesting. Cause, so one of the things I always talk about in class is you can kind of always learn about something when you run into a hiccup like, or involve negation at some point, right? So you can learn more about what something is by knowing what it's not when something goes wrong in a system you could be like hey this tells me something about the system you start asking questions um so i wonder if we can talk about abnormalities and changes and see kind of where this pushes us mm -hmm. uh, in this conversation about sensation and, and maybe at some point language i don't know yeah um Definitely, I think this is like the the second aspect of, of this discussion that we have had, is the aspect that has to do with the more complex stuff, right? I think that while in the first part we concentrated a lot on the on the um, basic level, right, and trying to make differences between senses and stuff like that. Uh, now, what it's interesting analyzing, maybe even more interesting analyzing, are those let's call it dysfunctions that happen. Especially, I think, when it comes to systemic stuff, as you were saying, right? It's not anymore an issue of, uh, better, we're not going to try to explore uh, that much anymore the, the specific issue about the, the way things are, let's say, but rather the way things feel for us, right? And how do we, do we eventually, um, how can we say, how do we distinguish normalcy there, if you want, right? What is normal to feel when it comes to something and this again can be explored as you were saying when something breaks or something goes uh goes off like in the case of covid or when all of a sudden you realize that you don't have the same clear distinctions when it comes to stuff that other people have so we're talking briefly about colors before for example people there 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 are colorblind they start noticing all of a sudden and when i say red they say oh, okay that is red but then i say green and they're still perceiving the same thing so they're like wait a minute something is off there right there's an overlap uh or there are other cases uh for me when it comes to taste but we'll talk about it in a minute um but why don't we start with the COVID thing which is what you experienced right 
yes. So yeah, because that's something okay. that it's relatable. Like people might have experienced the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So for those listening, if I describe this and you're like, "Oh my God, that's me," the good news is you're not the only one. The bad news is you're not the only one, <laughs> and there's still not a solution. So um, with the first strains of COVID, there was this issue. Well, a set of issues that people were having with um, smell and taste, where they were like, oh, I'm losing my taste, I'm losing my smell. And I, I didn't have that, right? So that would be referred to as like anasmia, right? When you're not having smell. Um, Which, by the way, is a, I, co is a condition that you can have even from birth. Apparently, uh, it's it's just the medical term used to describe this phenomenon, I guess you could say, and it was arising as a result of people having COVID, and which led them to kind of hypothesize and be proven right on this idea that the, the virus, for whatever reason, like attacks certain nerves, and olfactory nerves was like one of the big ones. But um, I was fine; I didn't have anything until like um month or more after i didn't lose my smell but i started noticing that things smelled different and tasted different like things were off they were weird <laughs> and it was freaky um because your senses, like your sensations are something you kind of take for granted. Yeah. Like you think that's just how things are and you as wrongfully assume permanence. Yeah. And like this is just the way things are. That's a normal way of things. And uh, it is not. <laughs> and I remember the first thing that started happening was when I was eating peanut butter, which I was explaining to you was like, it still is like a major portion of my diet is peanut butter. Um, it started tasting and smelling burnt. And I remember, uh, it happened once or twice. And I think I thought it was just like the batch was off, but after a while I was like, Hmm, something's not right here. And I would have Claire. Oh boy. Uh, smell and taste the peanut butter and she'd be like no it tastes like normal peanut butter um, and then it, it would be like if I ate a cracker or anything that was like carb-ish that maybe involved toasting it started tasting extremely burnt and just generally weird was it the case with pasta uh, too? Pasta did not happen. Okay, no, I good. didn't have that. I didn't have that. It was like like the bottoms of pizza or crackers or even some random thing like nuts and a lot of things I can't remember now, but I remember it was around the time of a our quote unquote second wedding mm -hmm. and going into the honeymoon. And mm -hmm. I say second wedding because we got married the first year in the backyard and the second year of makeup for COVID was just like a, <laughs> a big party. Um and I started explaining it to my friends, and they were just looking at me like, no, this doesn't taste like that thing, that hyper-specific thing you just described, and like kind of laughing. And then one day, me and uh, Claire were out with our friend Sage at a sushi place nearby, and I explained it to him, 
and he's very calm and level-headed. And what I was telling you was he was like, maybe you have a brain tumor. And, and then I just started freaking out. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So I went to the ENT, and uh, he said, no, it sounds like what you're describing is exactly what a bunch of people have been describing. Um, and so that was a year mm -hmm. and a, a half ago, maybe almost like a year and a half since I originally had it. Mm -hmm. And most of my stuff has gotten better. I don't know how much of that has just been time or how much of that has been things that I've done because I would read into like studies about things they were trying to use for treatment because it's all new like they don't know yeah. exactly what happened or how to cure it so like studies are coming out like i just read like four this morning um but stuff is still screwed up yeah and for me it's like garlic and onion there's just like a funk even in the general air like i was saying to you sometimes i'll drive down the parkway or the turnpike and i'm like why does the air smell like oniony and funky and I've learned to ask Claire whenever it happens to be like, okay, what is it? What's going on? So that I know what it is. And she'll say like, oh, it's gasoline or, oh, it's a, it's a truck that drove by. So it's like the, the fumes of the burntness or whatever. Um, so I'm still not completely normal um, with my smells, although most of it has come back. It's very weird. And I often think about what this means for the idea of sensation itself. Yeah, and it's because it's one of those cases where something awful, hopefully temporarily broke, right? And it's going to go hopefully back to normal completely. But so isn't it interesting, right, that the, first of all, this kind of, uh, not necessarily confirms, but ki kind of goes in the direction of the fact that there is a physical aspect to these things, right? 100%, yeah. And it's not just all, we don't make this up in our mind, but there's something physical that goes on, which is evidently where the virus kind of uh, does, does the damage, right? Uh, but at the same time, I wonder if the specifics of this have to do with you, right? Hmm. Why does, of all things, peanut butter taste burnt? Why do things taste in a specific way or not another? Uh, is it because I'm assuming that, you know, where the virus attacks the nerve, even if it's nerve damage, right? Why is that specific nerve triggering the peanut butter stuff? The peanut butter nerve. That <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make any sense, right? So is it possible maybe that those things that you that you use the most, that you love the most, or the one that are most, you know, uh, affected? So I think that's a good question to ask, the right question to ask. And I might have thought there was something to that had I not discovered that there is a whole community of people okay. that talk about this and they all describe like strangely similar things. So it's peanut butter for most people, let's say? Uh, if you go on Reddit and read the pages for parasmia. Okay. It's like it's like AA meetings. It's like, oh, it's been 600 days since I've... <laughs> but everyone talks about how, 
like, oh, it's getting better, it's getting worse. And seemingly, I, I luckily didn't have it as bad as some other people had. Like, some other people would describe no matter what they ate, it would taste like rotting flesh. Oh, God. And, like, they couldn't eat, and so they were losing weight. So, and so their parents and friends didn't believe them, and people just thought they were, like, going crazy. So question number one, how do they know what rotting flesh tastes? That's one. Uh, you know, you know, but like if you read but I know it, what you're saying, yeah. a lot of people talk about the onioniness. A lot of people talk about metallicness. Okay. They mention garlic. They, a lot of people mention meat, which I didn't have. They mention, um, did I say peanut? They mention body odors. Okay. Which I have some of that too. That's like one of the last hardcore remaining ones for me. Okay. Um, so people will describe the same set of things, and there's little deviations here and there, but in general, it's like, huh, there's some universals here. Hmm. That's interesting. That's very interesting. And so there are, evidently, there are some specific receptors that are affected by this. Um, the other interesting thing is like that the senses affected are this too. Can you imagine if all of a sudden you start hearing everything that you hear is like horrible because of COVID? Like you Everything I hear is vaguely unique. <laughs> don't know. Can you imagine? Like, you know, you're listening to your favorite like music, and all of a sudden it sounds horrible. Oh yeah. God, that is a nightmare. There will be a nightmare, right? Of all the sounds that you like, all of a sudden you dislike and stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah. But, but let me ask you. So, aside from the the tasting different, right? Mm -hmm. Was there like a, a difference in things that you? will like or dislike because i'm assuming that you of course you didn't like burnt peanut butter right but where there's stuff that you would say or are there stuff that you cannot eat anymore because now they taste different so there was definitely preference shifting to the extent that there was smell and taste changing like because it would make me really sad and scared because I still like was like, is there something wrong with me? So I wouldn't eat it. Okay. Right? And I, I think that, how would I say this? It would get, like I would get to points where. It's getting really windy here. It's getting, okay, I don't hear anything. I would get really like anxious and upset because I would, I would have like, you know, I have these little, these little Aldi protein bars, these little chewy bars, and or peanut butter, or I would eat like a Reese's or candy around Halloween or whatever, and I would be eating it, actively tasting the wrong taste. Oh God! Remembering what peanut butter used to taste like. And that didn't help, though. No, no, no. Oh my God, that made me no. I would like remember. I'd be like, remember my old pre-fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> senses that I felt fondly about. No, that would that would make it really sad. Okay, um, I can see that. No, no. But what I was wondering is, uh, not in the sense it will help you emotionally. Like this, you weren't able to superimpose the memory of what something tastes. Ah. To, okay, that may have helped. I can't confirm that, but I know that there's a lot of well, <laughs> there is some research mm -hmm. into ways to cure mm -hmm. uh, anosmia or parasmia, and they'll talk about this thing called smell training. Okay. 
And smell training is like, okay, they give you four distinct scents, like rose, clove, lemon, and coffee or something like that. And you're supposed to sniff it in a certain way for 15 seconds, like little short rabbit sniffs, I think. And they, I haven't done that specifically because I think that was more targeted towards people who lost their smell, but maybe I should do it. Um, And they say when you're doing it to really think about it and to really focus on the sensation of the smell and to think about all your associations and all that good stuff. And if that is true, then it's very possible that my painfully remembering and hoping for the old taste of peanut butter to return did have some effect. The question becomes, though, what about the things that didn't come back? that I have been thinking yeah, about a lot yeah, and making sure. And, and so, so it seems to be if, if that is the case, so if it, this doesn't really work, right? It seems to be like there. It works to an extent. That's all we can say. But at the, at the same time, it's like this thing works, seems to work bottom down when it comes to that. Meaning that if something really has changed its taste to you, the intellectual part of yourself cannot push that down so the physical seems to be more um it seems to have more strength when it comes to these things than the intellectual yeah, I mean, you can't like psychosomatically it's like the thing we disagreed on right like the person me eating the centipede i can't like yeah you know think hard enough to make it taste differently that's mm-hmm. true mm-hmm. so that's and also i have another question because i'm curious any of those things so do things that taste, do things that smell different also taste different? Or were there things that will taste different but smell the same and vice versa? Ah, uh, no, they went hand in hand. And so this thing and is like, Yeah, that makes sense because the olfactory... Yeah, it's, um, it's connected, it's of not, course. It's a specific... I was actually reading a study this morning that they localized it to a specific part. Um, but this specific part of the brain is responsible for both. both. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's it would be like maybe I'd have one interference but not the other. But it wouldn't be the case that like there would be it would be, you know, not so correlating pe- in the way so you're saying. Peanut butter also smelled burnt. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. So there was nothing that again, oh this smells normal, and you put it in your mouth, you're like, ooh. This doesn't taste like the smell. Yeah, they. W- I think they would generally go hand in hand. Okay, yes. okay, that's that's interesting. Do you think so? When you were saying that you that you think of what this means, uh, in general, when it comes to, to sensations, right? Um, and aside from the general, uh, from the general fact that things can change, mm-hmm. um, what was what were the other stuff that you were thinking of? What, what kind of other other connections? Let's say. Uh, this this thing made you make and again if it's possible because when you're freaking out with these things that philosophical reflections you're saying like philosophical what connection conclusions when was I trying to draw mm-hmm. well I think one of the things that I concluded was Locke was definitely right about secondary properties okay like definitely right because If it's the case that multiple people are experiencing different smells and tastes 
of the same physical thing. Yes. The sensations aren't in the physical thing. It is, it is, it is within the mind. Mm. And I had already believed that, right? Yeah. This is not like, oh, now... So but, like, this was like, huh, well, here's, like, you know, now I have personal, anecdotal, seemingly solid evidence for this thing. Um, so I thought about that a lot. Mm-hmm. That, um, that makes sense, right? I mean, not that this was ever in question, but it's obviously the case that there's... Even if there's a distinction between uh, some qualitative, immaterial part of your mind and your brain, they work together. <laughs> and if your physical brain is screwed up, that's going to screw with the other stuff. Yep. But we knew that since the, the Phineas Gage example with the railroad spike going through the brain. Yeah. Um, so, but it made me it made me wonder, like, okay, because the cause of it. Right, quote unquote nerve damage mm -hmm. or inflammation was a big thing that they talked about. So it did make me question, like, oh, like the extent to which different vitamins or things you could take which affect physical inflammation could affect the way you think, like, you know, stuff like that. But which is interesting because, and while well, you we were talking about this stuff and about all of them, uh, especially this last one. It's funny, connected to the to the to the class that I was telling you I'm preparing. It's crazy how these things then eventually become public and political as well, right? Mm -hmm, how mm -hmm. a decision that you make when it comes to your body, when it comes to inflammation, and believing that inflammation is a big thing that can change the quality of your life. Well, depending on the decision that you make, then you are put in a camp or another when it comes to politics, and that yes. leads to a yes. series. It usually leads to a series of of conclusion and connections that you make uh, regarding the world in general. Just which to, is a big deal. Yeah, it, that's, that's exactly what I was going with, which tells you how this all nice discussion that we're having about what the sensation is and what is not just the pure speculation, first of all, and not just because it affects you in your, in your body, let's say, but it also mm -hmm. because it puts you in a position in public, right? Which, in in society, let's say, for lack of a better mm. word, mm -hmm. uh, because these things affect you. And again, smelling or tasting something different is not in, in itself the thing that puts you in a weird position. Even though it does, because you follow something, you start smelling things and be like, "This is gross," and everybody else is like, "No, this is not." Uh, but this, the 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 consequences of this, we can say, can be really, really important for the way in which you decide to live your life right when it comes to these things and i don't know if this has changed you specifically right mm. uh but it's it's something that can be life-changing um i was i was thinking uh, regarding you you say luck is right like think of what it means to somebody that has never heard about philosophy that has always thought that things smell or taste in a specific way because those properties are in the thing and then all of a sudden, through that experience, realizes that, wait a minute, how is this happening? What is wrong with... And if somebody would be, like, seriously thinking that way, how many peanut butter jars they would have bought before understanding <laughs> that it wasn't the peanut butter, right? But that it was them. And what kind of discovery that is, right? When you all of a sudden realize, wait a minute, 
I am actively participating in this thing that's called perception, this thing that's called sensing things. Mm. And what does it mean in general when it comes to to other stuff, right? And we're talking about simple things here. Again, smelling and tasting. What does it mean when it comes to to more complex stuff? Stuff that that involve not just the pure perceptional stuff, but when it comes to those... uh, emotional involvement of which we're talking about in the first part of this right ah in a way it's it's there's like a cartesian element right like everything i thought was the case actually isn't and how does this affect everything built on top of those foundational beliefs and i mean there's obviously the social political connections because you could believe something and not express it Mm-hmm. because of the fact that people outside of you might categorize you in a way that is unsavory, let's say. Yeah. Um, and that can go in a bunch of different directions. And the sensation stuff is one thing. Medical stuff is another thing, right? Like if you're like, hey, yeah. you know, let's like read, you know, the extent to which there is or isn't evidence for um, different how would you say treatment options right you're like oh oh you know we have to censor that like you can't say that thing or like things that kind of go against it i mean it's just with anything right it's like whenever there's examining possibilities other than the predetermined top-down narrative it's it's yeah it's like it's it's they're in a bad spot as I, as I always call it, like the religiosity of the medical science, right? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you can't, you can question, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, if you say, oh, but I cure my inflammation just with turmeric, people are like, what? Yeah, you like you're a denier. Exactly. Right? You get you. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's going to go down a path. Um, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm saying uh, at the end of the day, this thing is more important than what we might think. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and the fact that then then again, there are some things that you get emotionally involved might lead you to. So, so well, why did I ask you this question? I ask you this question for a specific reason, because I'm thinking that actually having strong beliefs when it comes to this kind of stuff. Again, if I'm fully convinced that at the end of the day, the um, uh, the qualities of that I perceive are in the object, right? And then I discovered through a dysfunction like this that is not the case, that I realized that something is wrong. Then I will start doubting, possibly, all sorts of stuff. And maybe the result is that I won't believe in anything anymore. And then everything is relative. And then we go oh, through... Well, you go too far. Yeah. yeah. Then, you, you, sure. then you go too far the other way, right? That's uh, always a risk. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, that is dangerous as well, I want to say. Um, but... You know, uh, I think that the other the other interesting thing is, can we imagine something like this? So we said this happens to this aptitude with smell and and taste. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to imagine something similar with the other senses? Because again, if the the categorization that we did uh, last episode has some sort of a holds some sort of you know wait there those are still in the lower level stuff right this so the question is will it 
hold for what, more what would he upper mean, level? What would he mean that is it possible to have this kind of dysphorias, let's call it, when it comes to hearing and sight, which are the two ones that we are they're more complex, right? Because we said that these mm. three, they're limited in amount of stuff and stuff like that just because we they work the way they work but when it comes to here inside we can we can kind of work with it what is it even possible to have something is it possible again to have all of a sudden all the music that you like sounds horribly to you huh i mean it, it's certainly or, or is there another way in which this this thing can work it's certainly possible for you to I don't want to be wrong, but like for there to be different visual sensations that happen to you. And I mean, just colorblindness is proof of this, right? Like yeah. I remember when I was in uh, like seventh grade health class, I had this teacher who was colorblind. And he said the way he found out was because he was in, I don't know, first grade or second grade or something like that, probably first grade. And they asked the kids to color a picture. And he had to like, oh, draw an outside scene. He drew like grass and a house and colored in it and stuff. And he showed the picture to his teacher. Mm-hmm. He said the teacher just looked at it and was like, what is this? <laughs> this is made of faith. <laughs> and he was just like, oh, and walked back to his seat all depressed. And he's, he, he explained it as like, you know, I just thought I did something stupid. Like, why'd you draw the grass that high, kid? Like, grass isn't that high proportionate to houses. But really what happened was he colored the grass with an orange crayon because since he's colorblind yeah this is distinguished between between yeah yeah something like that happened um so so i think in that respect it's easy to imagine inverted color things well but we gotta be careful there is that not what you meant Yes, but I'm saying we got to be careful there because in reality, the color blindness that we know of, at least, right, is not of that kind. Colors are not inverted, but there is a loss of color. So you mean true color blindness, not just because that kind of color blindness results from like one of your cones being damaged, right? Correct. So you're saying what if you have only one out of three? Where so, it's monotone or none out of three. So here's the thing: when when you starting, when things start tasting differently, right? You still, it's not that they taste less; they taste different. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. smell different. They don't smell less. Well, when it comes to vision stuff and hearing stuff, I suspect that the only thing that can happen is not a difference, but a lack. So things cannot sound differently or look differently necessarily. But you can see less colors. You can hear less sounds, which in this case, though, puts these two things at odds. At odds, right? So we have a set of senses, smell, taste, and touch, let's say. Even though I, I still claim that touch is different from all of them, but let's say smell and t- smell and taste right now, where modification can happen two ways. 
you can lose your sense of smell and your sense of touch, uh, your sense of taste. You, things don't taste like anything. But you can also have modified kind of senses where things taste differently and things smell differently. Well, I don't think that that is possible with sound or vision. The only thing that can happen there is having less of it, not having different ones. Okay, so to recap, when it comes to smell and taste, I'll use smell as the example, you can have anasmia, which is you don't have smell. You can have parasmia, which is where you have it different. And then you could have like hyposmia, which is where you st it's less vivid, right? Like it still tastes like peanut butter, but it's just really unflavorful peanut butter. Yeah. Okay. But you're saying now with things like sight and hearing, you could not have it, right? So like you're blind mm -hmm. or you're completely true blind or true deaf. Yep. And or you can have things like you can see less colors. Or you can you, see less colors, right? You can you can have some loss of hearing while you don't need okay. you don't hear all the tones, right? You can hear just few of them, okay, fewer but of them. You can't you can, have You cannot have like you can, all of a sudden uh this is still gonna sound like this if you're hearing it. Oh it's not gonna sound like an ocean. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Okay. It's not like that you all of a sudden like I don't know light doesn't look like light anymore. Huh, okay. Um, uh, unless there are some, uh, again, but even in that case, I don't think it's, po I don't know of any cases where somebody, I don't know, bumps his head or her head and all of a sudden what was green is now gray and what was blue is now white. I think that one, so I think there's something to what you're saying, but I don't think color is a good example because I think with color it is possible because there's a direct correlation of like the well, cones. But like well, we we think it is. But you can't look at a door. Well, and then it's a monkey. But you could if you're hallucinating. But that's not your eye that's seeing that. Okay, I think the sound one was the. The sound one is uh, definitely the one that's easier to understand, right? So let's say, okay, so if because, I... And I, this has to do with the fact that sight is so complex that we are able to make examples for things that might not even be... Again, we can we imagine somebody who has all the colors mismatched? Sure, of course. And this person possibly cannot ever, cannot ever be, like, able to distinguish because, again... I've seen this all my life. I've been said that I've been told that this is red and I see it in a way you see it the way I see green, but they never overlap. So we cannot say we can have this. We can make this mental uh, experiment, right? It's possible to think it that way. And this is because it's too complex. But the real example is, again, probably the easier example is with sound. Sound is either you hear more or less of it, but there's no such thing, right? As all of a sudden, again, knocking on a door sounds like... Okay, okay. So unless let's, you're making a mistake, but that's different, right? So let's make... Um, I'm going to try and make a, like, a net, like, set, way, to, way to explain this. So let's say with scents and tastes, 
you have different characters, right? Let's mm -hmm. say like sweetness is a character and saltiness is a character and sourness is a character and the combination of each is its own character, right? Mm -hmm. With gustatory and olfactory dysfunctions, you can have experiences where one character is supposed to be, but it's a different character. Yeah, that's, that happens to me. I told you. That is yes. something that happens. And yours, just explain yours with, with ketchup, just, you were saying? Yeah, so ketchup, most people would say that it's sweet, right? I don't taste the sweetness. To me, it's like spicy. That's what it tastes like. And that's normal, right? Not because of COVID, not yeah, because... Yeah, I'm always being like this. And I, I have a hard time telling the difference. Uh, again, I can tell the difference. They taste differently. But if you ask me if something is sweet or salty, I cannot tell you. So I the just, distinctions are there, but it's like the identity of one thing. Okay. Yes. So I'm able now, because of language I was telling you, probably to identify something and say, oh, this is what people say this is. Uh, and I, I don't know exactly what it means. I always thought there was a point in my life where I thought that the issue was the intensity that I don't feel mm -hmm. as things that are sweet don't feel as sweet to me. Mm -hmm. And things that are salty don't feel as salty to me. But that's not the case because when I taste something really salty, it tastes really intense. Mm -hmm. It's just I have... It's just some cross-wiring. Yeah, there's something off. Which, okay. again, every time we have to season the salad, I just call somebody else like, listen, ain't me. Just you do it. And that's, oh, that's so funny. Um, it's not funny, but like I'm imagining someone's like, is there paprika in the salad it tastes smoky and you're like smoky this tastes sweet um okay so so to make it even funnier when you taste ketchup uh most people like taste the, the role of marilyn monroe is playing ketchup but when you eat ketchup it's like bruce willis right bruce willis is playing ketchup exactly but with the sound you're saying that doesn't happen that cannot, that's because not when I knock on the uh, desk, and then when I whistle, <laughs> right? Those are two different characters. Yeah. There's no way that, that I knock on the desk and the whistling character appears, and yes. I whistle, but the knocking character appears. Correct. That unless is interesting. Is, unless there is something, maybe. Maybe unless there's something systemically wrong right? in your brain. Yes. So like, which is causing you to hallucinate. C correct. Okay. Which I'm not even sure that's possible. It sounds that way, right? And again, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want anybody to write us like you guys are ignorant. Those things happen all the time. I, I'm but just I'm thinking of like psychedelic experiences. But, but I think that those are those systemic issues, right? They, that's that's altering your or mind-altering things, right? Do you think that someone hearing this would respond to you by saying, oh, yeah, but that's it. That's good enough. That's sound-swapping. Because mm. isn't, isn't your taste and smell also mind-swapping or no? But that's not under the influence of any substances, right? Ah. And it's not... This is something that happens, quote-unquote, naturally. Naturally. And also... This doesn't alter any other sense. This is why I'm saying there's a systemic thing. Because if you're hallucinating, it's not just that the sound sounds weird. Everything okay. else is okay. like Okay, so off. it's like, not as if my ear nerves are inflamed 
and you drive down the street, and I'm like, oh, I thought it was a dolphin coming. Exactly. Uh-huh. It's like your peanut butter, right? The peanut butter smell burnt. There's no such thing as all of a sudden <laughs> uh, a radio it sounds like Metallica. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking happen. that. Um, hmm. Yeah, or like we're, we're watching Pulp Fiction. I'm like, I thought we were watching the Teletubbies. Exactly. Yeah, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. That means that there might be this giant, maybe evolutionary, that something happened, like, and we got these two senses developing mm. in a very different way. Uh, and they just have character, which will make, it, will make sense, right? The damage that, well, that's not true, actually. I was about to say the damage that can happen to you when you when things taste different is not the same kind of damage that can happen to you if you hear things differently but that's not true because but you can eat you can eat the wrong thing and poison yourself okay but there's a there's some kind of type distinction or there seems like there has to be some kind of type distinction otherwise we wouldn't be picking up on this problem and it yeah. seems to have to do with the fact that for hearing at least it, it there's more of those um, gradations of red or gradations of types of red mm -hmm. whereas it's simpler with the other ones okay follow-up question mm -hmm. so let me I yes. real quick I'm thinking because the word the use the word type you use I think that there is within within hearing and sight you have this this distinctions that he comes that's either again something the distinction between things are type distinctions there are different types of things that you can hear and the only thing that can happen is that some of this type disappear or One, types or subtypes within a type can swap correct okay correct but when it comes to smell and taste, instead, there are differences in token, and the tokens can actually swap characteristics, can lose some characteristics, can be modified. But they're not completely different types. So there's the subtype differences, but not the type differences. Correct. I don't know if this helped. This helped me in my head. Yeah, I, I, think that's a, I think that that's a helpful way of thinking about it. My so you had, a, you had a question, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask if you thought, and if so, how you thought this applied to our discussion of the tactile, to go back to the most basic sense, because based on what we've said, one mm -hmm. might predict that it can't happen, because if it can't happen with smell or taste, w because they're simpler than hearing, and sight, then they certainly can't happen for something that's even more simpler, like the tactile sensation. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. No, well, oh, no, no, no. Actually, sorry. Ooh. So I, I think that that is so basic that doesn't really get affected much in neither ways. So it cannot happen that you touch something smooth and all of a sudden you say, oh, this is rough. That doesn't happen. Right? But it doesn't even... I don't even know what it will mean something like the burnt ketchup when it comes to tactile stuff. 
I think that that is so basic that there is no mistake that can be made. Because otherwise, like, the entire system will go A-wire. Because it's so extended and so simple that there's no mistakes that can be made. You can make judgment mistakes, but not tactile mistakes. Right. It's you like can, you're playing Pong. Like, it's like the one thing happens. It's not like you're playing some complex video game. You can think that something is cold and instead is warm. You can think that something is soft, but instead is hard. But then when you touch it, that tells you the way things are. Okay, I think this is very, this is certainly possible, maybe even likely. I'm just trying by nature to see if there's some kind of uh, limit case or like ostensible limit case that someone hearing might ask or someone listening yeah. might be like, hey, but what about this? No, 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 I, I hear what you're hmm. saying. And it's also strange, right, because we said that the eye level stuff, there is a loss of quantity. The the mid level stuff, let's call it smell and taste. There is a there can be a, a a change, things can 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 taste differently, right? Mm -hmm. And then in the most basic level, there is no change. They can like, we cannot make mistakes. Okay, I'm thinking of some things that I'm I'm wondering about, like that I want to mm -hmm. ask you. Um, I knew a kid in college. Um, who had some neurological disorder okay that resulted in him not feeling pain or temperature there might be other ones but i remember those two mostly if not fully so you know, you always joke, like, oh, there's that kid wearing shorts when it's snowing out. Mm -hmm. But he would do that, and, like, he wouldn't feel the cold. Or he would talk about how he got into a bar fight, and, like, someone broke a bottle over his head, and, like, it didn't hurt. And then he wound up yeah, passing yeah, yeah. out for, like, other reasons. Um, so that's, that's the first thing I'm thinking of. How do you think that factors into this? That's, that is... So I was thinking while we were talking about this, I was thinking of that too, right? There are people that don't feel the temperature at all uh, or very little. And especially with pain, that's something common, right? Yep. Uh, there, there's more people that we know that don't feel that much pain. Um, I think, if anything, this connects the basic thing more to the sight and, and hearing than anything else. But I would say that that is also different. I don't think that that is necessarily a sensory thing i think that that is more of a general uh stuff somehow it's like more of a systemic stuff it's like the it's more of like the taking drugs thing yeah i would think can you not feel something more or less the, but then it's we get back to the when it comes to to to, to um to tactile stuff, I think we go back to the to the questions that we were saying before. There are people that work in front of a pizza oven all day. Yeah, yeah, that's a good example. They they eventually develop a resistance to the heat that we don't, right? Yep. But that is it's like training muscles, right? You train 
because of the weird way in which our our skin is right and our pores works works together with with the other systems uh, like you know the cooling system which is the, when you sweat and stuff mm -hmm. like that all the stuff because it works with that it can be trained but it's not your skin that doesn't feel the heat even though you can you can grow calluses and stuff like that but that again that becomes that's different right yeah or i'm that's thinking like my dad works at a with chemicals and you know he just smelled the acrylates for so long that his nose is just yeah and, and again can not you burn, completely with us uh, can can you can you burn your your i don't know your your fingertips and then those things they don't take they don't feel anything sure but that is different right okay can i ask a question sure so um, at least i think it's different it might be not but so we're so it seems like you want to exclude so within this let's say mapping out of senses not only by there being one specific sense but putting them into groups with certain characteristics when you're grouping them according to those characteristics which we've defined in terms of more or less there or not there different or not different you want to exclude number one things that you've called systematic changes which yeah. could include some type of damage to the causal system like mm -hmm. the nerves the brain or whatever or things like drugs that alter those systems in some way right let's say that we want to exclude everything that can that alters more than one specific sense okay and then number two you want to exclude instances where you gain or lose an ability based on quote-unquote training or something like repeated exposure so the, the guy touching hot stuff the guy walking on coals laying on mm -hmm. the bed of spikes or my dad smelling the chemicals mm -hmm. okay because this seems to me like kind of superimpositions okay on the regular again assuming that we can really make this difference okay right? so given that information that I think I got. Mm -hmm. Why would the gustatory and olfactory stuff mm -hmm. not be excluded for those same reasons? Because at the end of the day, okay. aren't they the result of, of a damage? Of a damage. Now, I suspect you're going to say because the damage is within the one group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Only and only the one group, mm -hmm. and really only the one sense because we know there's a, those two are connected. But isn't the the thing like with pain also only happening within one, i.e. the the tactile? Maybe, maybe yes, maybe you're right. But the, but it's okay. like but the but you said it before. You say the nervous system, right? Oh, as opposed to single. Okay, I mean, have you ever met? I, I again, I am assuming. 
we're making a lot of assumptions here, right? Uh, and the first one is that we can separate these things, right? Because in theory, even when you taste or smell something, when you see something, those things are connected to the nervous system, right? Yeah, of course. So, so we're trying to, to, to make a separation where probably there's no separation. Let's put it this way. Yeah, I guess but now I, I'm wondering about like a, the nervous system versus like some specific nerves. And maybe? the thing my mind goes to immediately is like when people have back pain, like sciatic nerve problems, but and they, they put in a nerve blocker just for that one. But then I'm, I'm wondering also what we're talking about this. Yeah, I know that we feel pain through our skin, right? But is that like a tactile sensation really? Or is this something completely different? Oh, are there senses beyond the five? No, no, no. Uh, just simply, I mean, hot, cold, uh -huh. rough, smooth, uh -huh. soft, hard. Those seems to me the things that we really perceive with our skin, right? Okay. Those are tactile. And then there's pain and pleasure. They seem to be qualitatively different from the ones that we have just mentioned. And maybe... Hmm. Uh, we cannot really make that example. So the temperature thing makes more sense to me in the discussions that we're having. While the pain and pleasure, they might be, to use the same word, more systemic kind of things. It's because they're not tactile. You're saying I don't think they are. Certainly they are. they're not like seeing or hearing yeah. or like maybe exactly. any of the other senses. Okay, but does, so does that mean Because a think, think of this, uh, uh, sorry, the yeah, reason yeah, why yeah. I'm thinking of this is like, yes, I can get hurt by, uh, you know, uh, touching a nail, right? That goes through my skin, but I can get hurt by looking at the sun. I can get hurt if a sound is too loud. I can get hurt if I smell or inhale a chemical, right? All those things can be painful like literally painful without being tactile sensations. Okay. So maybe we need to take those away from the tactile stuff. This is, we are opening up so many cans of worms because one <laughs> way you could answer is to say that all those are mm -hmm. actually tactile at base. Like the feeling of your eye, the feeling of your eardrum. So that is interesting. The other thing I was thinking was, um, I was going to say, A, it could mean that um, did you hear her crying in the back? I, I heard something. <laughs> Bri briefly something. Speaking of pain, <laughs> um, I was basically going to say something like, could it be the case that pain and pleasure just aren't, and I, I wonder if this is what you were getting at, sensory properties yeah. at all, and That's they're just it. something altogether different That's rather than exactly being an extra sense? That's exactly what I'm saying. Maybe there's something else. And so other examples of this, let me know, because maybe these are subtypes of pleasure. The, uh, when you eat food you love. Mm. The, like, becoming unhungry. That's one thing I could think of. Orgasm. They, something else the, I could think of. Sure, definitely. Do they come through, of course, like many things... They come through our body, which is... Which they have to, right? And they are like, our body is uh, surrounded or wrapped into 
our skin, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe we could say that the the entry point is the same, but then that doesn't mean that that is necessarily a sensation, right? So if, if this is the case, I think the only thing we've, well, not the only thing, but like the thing we're learning now is that the only common thing across all the properties and sets of properties we've discussed is that they have something to do with quote-unquote irritability and what I mean by irritability is some kind of affectation of an external stimuli to a quote-unquote internal stimuli or an internal to another internal or yeah, we're going to leave it there because I don't think my bookshelf is sensing anything. So I'm not going to say internal to external <laughs> in that sense. So, so okay, this is where we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and we, you know, we didn't even get to the point of discussing anything about the 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 role the language plays into this. Cause that's Oof. an all entire thing uh, that go that gets probably gets us to another episode maybe in the future someday so there are affectations caused by certain things that cause other things that can be grouped into a bunch of different classes and subclasses and we've tried to do that to the best of our ability in this impromptu conversation based on our personal experience in the moment (laughs) our catching up um and I thought you said ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) That would be appropriate. No, but I'm thinking that also um, I think that it's interesting to to think of those uh, the distinction that we made between senses because I'm assuming that most of us in philosophy for sure and many people listening maybe have in their head made the scale which one is the most important of the senses which one is the one that I can do without and I can, and be honest, people listening, I can guarantee you that 99% of you have set sight to be mm. the most important one. Well, and we have had this conversation before. Well, I still claim that the most basic one and the most important one is actually uh, touch. And then the other one, the other ones come. So uh, we're left with all these questions like, you know, are certain people even if there are general patterns in the hierarchy, are certain people more connected to those middle ones? So in other words, can there be some swapping of the middle ones? And how does this manifest in people having more vivid scent memory than hearing memory, whereas Mm -hmm. other people have more vivid hearing memory than tactile? Like, because me and Claire have tried to do this before is like, like she'll be like, I can't remember a smell, or like, like you can remember a smell, or vice versa. I'm more like this. That's a question we didn't touch. I'm wondering about. Wait, wait, wait. So if there are these different types of affectations, what makes one count as a sense and one count as a nonsense? Yep, yep. And there is also the question uh, related to people that are lacking some of this sense, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. There are people, obviously, that are lacking the sense of hearing, yep. but everything else is there. Some are lacking the sense of smell. Some are lacking, and, and consequently, the sense of taste is not there. Some are lacking sight, but I don't think I've ever heard of anybody lacking 
the tactile sense. Oh, I thought you were going to say everything. Because I always say in class, like, imagine you peel back one of your senses at a time, and what happens when there's none? Like, what, what are you, if anything, if you have zero senses? Is there a we, you? Is there a body? Like, what's going on? There are, there are people that are blind, deaf, and uh, they also they cannot speak. That's mm -hmm. the extent that we know. And, of course, we don't know if these people have taste right. or if they can smell things. But I'm assuming that because they have skin. But even though that's not necessarily true because they have eyes and ears. So. And if you didn't, would you just become Kerpa? Rather than like live corporate, so yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so, so, so that's that guy. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we need a we need a uh, an entire episode on on the body because we want the mind. We haven't done body stuff or an entire series on the five senses, as someone has mentioned. Before. Yeah, we should do that <laughs> sometimes, I guess. So real quick before we go, I just wanted to mention. Um, we hit over ten thousand listens like a few episodes Ooh. ago. And That's I just nice. never mentioned it. So That's keep on nice. going, Thank guys. Uh, always feel free to send questions. I know there's a few of you guys um, who have sent me and Giuseppe questions either through my email or the PPP email. And we haven't gotten back to you. I did not forget about it. I just, I'm probably just, waiting to do this during a Q&A or something. Um, they will get addressed, I promise. He just got a baby. I got COVID. It's summer. So we'll, there after, you go. we'll, we'll get there. All right, right. so see you see later, ya. everybody. Peace.